You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The BC government is facing a lot of pressure to clamp down on vaping as health officials investigate multiple cases of suspected vaping related illness. The concern is so great, now the city of Richmond is banning vaping ads in public places. John Waugh has the details on some of the other measures that critics are urging the province to adopt. As the vape smoke clears, there's a growing health concern lingering in the air. We're already seeing massive problems, so it's time to stop. I started at a young age as well, and I know I probably shouldn't have. The city of Richmond deciding it's time for vaping ads in public spaces to dissipate. We don't want there to be advertising. We don't want there to be a presence of, of vaping. We, we don't want it suggested that the city is anyway condoning this, and we'll stop it if we can. The ban includes sites owned or controlled by the city, like transit shelters and benches. I think young people get so attracted by those posters. It's a smart move. Now Richmond's vaping ad ban comes at the same time that BC's chief medical health officer has confirmed one potential case of illness linked to vaping. Bonnie Henry says two others have been ruled out, but there are still four cases that are currently under investigation. We always had some suspicions that it wasn't a good thing to do, but uh, it is confirmation of that. Despite the potentially harmful effects of vaping hitting so close to home, critics are asking why the provincial government has yet to act. There are parents all over the province that are uh, practically begging this government to, uh, to take action. It's our expectation the federal government will take action. In any event, um, we'll be putting forward uh, our action plan soon. With the federal government preoccupied with an election, help at the highest level won't likely happen anytime soon. But the province is in a good position to take some effective steps, and I would look to them to do that. But in the meantime, as a city, let's do what we can. And with health experts sounding the alarm, the short amount of time left before it's too late seems to be fading fast. John Hua, Global News. And starting today, cannabis edibles, topicals, and other pot extracts are now legal. But don't expect them in stores anytime soon. The regulatory process will take months, and approved products won't make it to market until mid-December at the earliest. Aaron MacArthur has more on the rollout and why some critics think Health Canada has made a mistake. Smoking marijuana, just the beginning. Starting October 17th, a whole new sector of the marijuana market is open for business. Everything from brownies to hand cream will be allowed on store shelves. Welcome to Cannabis 2.0. According to industry watchers, this will be a game changer. What the edibles legislation is going to do is bring a whole new consumer set to market. While edible cannabis is legal, don't expect to see anything for sale for months. Producers required to give Health Canada 60 days notice of their plans to sell new products, which means December 17th, the earliest Canadians can buy non-smokable products. The packaging must be plain and childproof. And as of right now, the maximum amount of THC has been limited to 10 milligrams. Other jurisdictions, like Washington State, have similar 10 milligram limits, but according to critics, the big difference is serving size. Much like potato chips, one package can contain more than one serving, giving consumers a choice. 
Canadian lawyers are already planning challenges to the limit, saying it will keep black market sellers in business. We're expecting that it's going to comprise about 60% of the legal cannabis market. So it's important for us to get this right and to make sure that people are being properly served with the appropriate um, edibles. Everywhere else where cannabis is legal, edibles fail to overtake smoke products in terms of sales volume. But it is an enormous opportunity. A recent study from Deloitte pegged the alternative delivery market in Canada at $2.6 billion a year. They're not going to become readily available until early next year. We, so we expect that you're going to see increased revenue from that. Expect BC stores to be fully stocked in the new year, much like the rollout of cannabis last year. Figuring out the supply chain will take some time. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A young man accused of second-degree murder in the high-profile killing of Surrey teen Kiran Desi has been granted bail in a move that's baffled many. Ramina Dea has the latest on Harjit Singh Dio's release. Global News has confirmed with the BC Prosecution Service that 21-year-old Harjot Singh Dio has been granted $750,000 surety bail with a $50,000 deposit. This happened on October 11th. Dio is essentially under house arrest. The body of 19-year-old Kieran Desi, a transplant survivor, was discovered in a burned-out SUV in Surrey two years ago. Desi's ex-boyfriend, Dio, is charged with second-degree murder. In general, flight risk and public safety are two factors a judge considers before granting bail. It's interesting to point out that Dio has been released given he was arrested at Vancouver International Airport in May. Where was he going? Is that YBR? Where was he going? He was in Vancouver. He landed in Vancouver. He had landed in Vancouver? No. So so where did he land from? Uh, Sorry, folks. Uh, I can't get into that. Can you tell us how long he was out of Vancouver? No, I can't. How come? Yeah. In a stunning development after Dio was arrested in May, four other members of his family were also apprehended and charged in connection to Desi's death. We have reached out to the Desi family for reaction. All of the accused are due back in court on November 13th. Romina Dea, Global News. A man in his 50s was struck and killed while walking on the shoulder of Highway 11 in Abbotsford this morning. The driver fled the scene, but as Jennifer Palmer reports, police worked quickly and already have a suspect in custody. A man has been arrested in connection with a fatal hit and run in Abbotsford, and police say it was witnesses that helped them find the suspect driver and vehicle. Just after 6 this morning on Highway 11 near Claiborne Road, a man in his 50s was hit by a vehicle. Police say witnesses saw the man on the side of the road. Emergency crews were called to the scene, but attempts to save the man's life were unsuccessful. His injuries were traumatic. Abbotsford police say it was witnesses that helped them track down the suspect vehicle and driver, an adult man who was arrested at a home the vehicle was registered to. The vehicle has been seized by police. It's clear from the initial investigation that it's it's definitely the vehicle that was involved. Do you know why? Like, uh, We have some information from witnesses, um, as well as uh, some clear evidence on the vehicle that it was involved in a collision. The victim's name has not been released and no charges have been laid. Police are appealing for more witnesses in any dash cam video. There's also no indication at this point if speed, alcohol, drugs, or even the weather played a part in this fatal collision. They are, however, reminding pedestrians and drivers to remain visible and take care out there as the days get darker sooner. Jennifer Palma, Global News, Abbotsford.
Thank you, you so yep. much. Great. Thank you. <laughs> And that deadly hit and run comes as authorities launch a province-wide safety blitz. We are entering the most dangerous time of the year for pedestrians. Between October and January, as the days grow shorter and we see more rain, the number of pedestrians injured in crashes almost doubles. Police, ICBC and TransLink handing out reflectors today, reminding people to be aware of their surroundings and make themselves visible. There is outrage tonight over new freedoms given to a man who plotted the murders of a mission couple 11 years ago. Thomas Holden was sentenced to a decade behind bars when he finally went to trial. But as Ted Chernecki reports, he's been granted parole after serving less than a third of that time. In tragedy, there are always many more victims than the deceased. Mark Soraka is one of them. The murder of his daughter 11 years ago just never goes away. There is no justice. There is no justice. The family and friends of Lisa Dudley and Guthrie McKay say they're being victimized again. In 2008, the couple were shot several times in their mission home. He died there, but she survived for four days before finally being found. Lisa Dudley died in hospital. Mr. Holden, could we get a comment from... Now the parole board will allow Tom Holden, the guy who organized the double murder, to be released on day parole next Thursday. How can you justify... The, the person who kills and orders and directs a double murder and is out of jail in two years and eight months. In making the ruling, the parole board said this about Holden. You witnessed abuse in the family home and were subject to corporal punishment and verbal abuse from an alcoholic parent. What kind of message? Is that a deterrent? What does the public think? Is, is that what you want to have happen? The board calls Holden a moderate risk to reoffend, but gave him credit for taking anger management courses and wanting to apologize. You said you were sorry that they did not attend the hearing as you had wanted to apologize to both the families in person. You can be as good as gold, you can apply for parole, but what good is, as he's tried to say, is an apology for murder that devalues the, the word itself, apology, they should be held accountable. He is on a crusade for justice, that victims matter. He says Holden's 10-year sentence works out to one year and four months for each victim. The three men who actually pulled the trigger are serving life sentences, but Holden can apply for a full parole in March. Ted Chernacki, Global News. A new Westminster police officer who shot a shoplifting suspect will not be facing charges. It happened outside the Walmart on Boyd Street back on January 15, 2016. Police were responding to reports of an armed shoplifter. There was an altercation and police tasered the suspect who then pointed a gun. The officer then drew his weapon and fired eight times. The suspect was hit but survived his injuries. Now the B.C. Prosecution Service says after a review of the report from the IIO, the officer will not be charged. The climate activists who shut down the Burrard Bridge last week are planning another protest that could cause even more traffic chaos during Friday's evening rush hour. Organizers have chosen a starting point for their so-called snake march, but as Jill Bennett reports, they aren't saying where they'll go from there. This was the scene at a train station in London during the Thursday rush hour. Members of Extinction Rebellion climbed on top of a train car and unfurled a banner. But many in the crowd were angry and turned on the protesters. They are beating this protester. We have a free press and I've been hit in the head. I've been kicked on the floor. 
Climate awareness events are taking place in dozens of cities around the world. In Vancouver, climate extinction shut down the Burrard Bridge for more than 12 hours on October 7th. And on Friday, they are planning another demonstration, a snake march downtown, starting at Hamilton and Georgia. A march where the route isn't predetermined, so we don't necessarily know where we're going, and that way people, including the authorities, don't have a warning. The Burrard Bridge protest was peaceful, with 10 people arrested and released with a promise to appear in court. But Friday's event will see protesters disrupting traffic starting around 4.30 p.m., with climate activists face-to-face -face with drivers. We will be allowing it to happen and seeing how it unfolds. There will be disruptions, and I know people will become uh, agitated and mad. Uh, we're just asking people to keep their uh, emotions in check. It's not about blaming or shaming drivers that are going about their lives. People in Extinction Rebellion have cars too. We're all part of this toxic system. We're drawing attention to the climate emergency that we're in. Organizers say the ending time and location of Friday's snake march will be decided by those who take part. It's not clear exactly how many people will be in Vancouver. More events are also being planned in other cities. Jill Bennett, Global News. Right now, though, Surrey RCMP issue a warning tonight after a recent spike in overnight break-ins. Thieves targeting dozens of homes and getting in through the garage. In some instances, the suspects got inside while people were sleeping. Catherine Urquhart has more on how the thieves are choosing their victims and what you can do to protect your property. Your garage door may offer convenience, but it's now a favorite entry point for thieves in Surrey, where residential break and enters have spiked, many happening while people are sleeping. They are using garage door openers that are kept inside of vehicles that are parked on driveways overnight. They're going into the vehicles, taking the garage door opener, then using the garage door opener to get into the garage and then into the house. In July, there were 13 residential BEs. In August, double as many at 26. And in September, 24 residential break and enters in Surrey, most in Newton, Wally, and Guilford. Police advising people to take precautions. The biggest tip that we, uh, that we would like to push home is that garage door openers should be kept on your person or inside a residence and not inside the vehicle. It's gain giving these people easy access to your garage and then to your home. Other safety recommendations? Choose a garage door opener with a rolling code system. Install a deadbolt on the door linking your garage and house. And always secure doors and windows before bed. Sage advice, no matter where you live. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A West Kelowna business has been charged for failing to contain its garbage, ultimately forcing the B.C. Conservation Service to kill six bears. Conservation says the six bears were destroyed because they had become habituated to garbage and were a significant risk to the public. The business, identified by neighbours as the Lake Okanagan Resort, has been ticketed for leaving its garbage dumpster and compactor open and fined $230. Global News has reached out to the business, but so far it is not commenting. Well, the cruise ship industry pumps millions of dollars into the B.C. economy. But while Vancouver clamors for an even bigger piece of the pie, Victoria is sailing in a different direction. Kylie Stanton tells us why Victoria Council wants to limit cruise ship traffic in its harbour and why some think Council is wrong. Berths are empty and buses are parked. 
signaling the end of yet another successful cruise ship season in Victoria. But this could soon become the norm if a motion put forward by council members goes ahead. It's a call for a sustainable business case for cruise expansion in the city. The Victoria mayor and two councillors are recommending the city cap visiting vessels at the current number of 250 and forgo any long-term contracts until a plan can be put forward limiting the waste and emissions generated. If you're going to expand, do it in a sustainable way. But others are seeing it as an attack on the industry and the businesses that rely so heavily on it, generating upwards of $130 million a year. A ban just sends the wrong signal to everybody that we're not supportive or encouraging of the cruise ship industry. That's a very bad message to send. We would like to send the message we want to work with them to deal with emission issues. According to a report recently commissioned by the Greater Victoria Harbour Authority, the industry is well on its way. Since 2010, sulfur emissions are down 95%, while criteria air contaminants are down 45%. But there's still a long way to go in order to help the city meet its climate targets. And that's why the report is calling for uh, the introduction of shore power, which we are embracing. Installing it isn't cheap or easy. In fact, not all vessels have the necessary equipment to accommodate the power. But more than anything, it requires cooperation. It's not just on industry. All levels of government and industry need to work together to find solutions. Cruise Lines International Association is on board. In a letter to Mayor Helps, it identifies shore power as a top priority, offering to assist council on the issue. And all those in favour... And so, with amendments made... Okay, that carries. ...the motion passes. At this point, 650,000 passengers can be expected to return next season. But whether or not that continues to expand will hinge on all parties coming together on a vision. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Starting a new job can be daunting, but when you're the new boss and you're going into an environment where morale is in the toilet, for some that would be downright intimidating. Daryl Reed faced that very scenario when he took over as Vancouver's fire chief at a time when employee engagement had dropped to 6%. I knew right away this was a workforce that was really excited to work and protect the city of Vancouver mm -hmm. and the camaraderie in the halls and the way they treated each other and the morale at the station level was really great. I just had to have myself and my team get the trust and the buy-in to step into that right. culture. Daryl Reed is our next guest on the Leadership Series. Find out how he dramatically turned things around at Vancouver Fire tomorrow and over the weekend on BC One. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. Rogers Arena is buzzing tonight for a marquee NBA matchup. The Dallas Mavericks in town to take on the L.A. Clippers and former Raptor star Kawhi Leonard. It's a one-night-only preseason event, but it has a lot of people dreaming that the NBA might one day come back to Vancouver permanently. Our Sarah McDonald is live at Rogers Arena tonight with a dream that'll never die for Vancouver Grizzly fans. Sarah? 
Sophie, Chris, that's right. It feels like we're back in 1995 tonight here at Rogers Arena. Any preseason NBA game typically draws a lot of Vancouver basketball fans, but this year it is also garnering multiple demonstrations. One of them is highly political. The other one is all about basketball, and that is the one behind me. You can hear those Vancouver Grizzlies super fans behind me. They've been here for a couple of hours at this point. They are sending a strong message to the league tonight that they want a franchise back in this city. This movement was all started by a Grizzlies fan who produced a documentary on big country, also known as Bryant Reeves, one of the biggest stars of the team back in its heyday. She says the popularity of NBA preseason games in this city and the ticket sales they generate should send a major signal to the league that this would be a very lucrative city for a franchise. We shouldn't have lost them in the first place. They were a huge part of Vancouver's uh, culture and the city and the community, and we want another team back. I know this isn't something that's going to happen overnight. Um, it might take years, but we got to start somewhere. we got to build the community, so that's what this is all about. Good to see those old jerseys again. Now, Sarah, this is not the only rally planned at Rogers Arena tonight. What can you tell us about the other demonstration going on? Sophie, that's right. It is a busy night here at the plaza outside Rogers Arena, and that game has not even begun yet. There are a handful of demonstrators here in support of pro-democracy demonstrators in Hong Kong. They are joining a chorus of critics internationally that are accusing the NBA of acquiescing to mainland China and Beijing and not coming out strongly enough in support of free speech and human rights. The league telling us tonight they are aware of both of these protests going on outside the arena. They are expected to both be peaceful, but there are police on hand just in case. And guys, that game gets underway at 7.30 tonight. All right. Thanks for that. Sarah McDonald reporting at Rogers Arena. Well, yet another bombshell development tonight in the impeachment drama in Washington, D.C. with conflicting stories from the White House. The acting chief of staff is now acknowledging that Donald Trump's decision to hold up military aid to Ukraine was tied to his demand for an investigation into the Democrats and the 2016 election. Tonight, undercutting the president's denials of a quid pro quo, the acting White House chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, with a remarkable admission. One of the reasons President Trump held up military aid to Ukraine was Mr. Trump wanted them to assist in a Justice Department investigation into the 2016 election. The look back to what happened in 2016 certainly was, was part of the thing that he was worried about in corruption with that nation. And that is absolutely appropriate. The president's request was over an unfounded allegation Democrats met with Ukraine's help in the election. Mulvaney was pressed. Was all of this a quid pro quo, which could be illegal? We do that all the time with foreign policy. I have news for everybody. Get over it. There's going to be political influence in foreign policy. The president has denied there was a quid pro quo during his July phone call with Ukraine's leader. There was no quid pro quo. There was no quid pro quo at all. And today, Mulvaney said the delay in military aid was not related to the president's other request for Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden and his son Hunter. The money held up had absolutely nothing to do with Biden. Still, it's all at the heart of the impeachment inquiry, which brought another dramatic day on Capitol Hill. The ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sunland, in the hot seat. Why was it important for you to show up here today? It's always important to show up when Congress calls. 
Are you here to salvage your reputation, sir? I don't have a reputation to salvage. Sunland telling lawmakers behind closed doors President Trump outsourced his foreign policy on Ukraine to his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. In his opening remarks, Sunland testifying, we were disappointed by the president's direction that we involve Mr. Giuliani. Was that a shadow foreign policy? That, that, that's, that's a term you're using. That's a, that's a pejorative. There's not, not a shadow policy here. The president is entitled to have whoever he wants to work. But late tonight, after a backlash from some of the president's allies, Mulvaney now saying his comments about Ukraine were misconstrued, even though they were on camera, saying there was absolutely no quid pro quo between Ukrainian military aid and any investigation into the 2016 election. The president defending him. Nick is a good man. I don't know. I haven't. I, I have not heard anything. You stop, Mr. President. I have, I have a lot of confidence. A key figure in the ongoing Donald Trump impeachment inquiry has died. It's about loving our country. It's about making a difference for generations yet unborn. That's what this is all about. Maryland Congressman Elijah Cummings passed away early this morning. The 68-year-old recently underwent a medical procedure, but his office isn't releasing any details. A sharecropper's son who became a civil rights champion, Cummings was chairman of the House Committee that led investigations into Trump's government dealings, including probes relating to Trump's family members serving in the White House. A minor miracle to tell you about in Missouri, where a man has been found in his car a week after he crashed into a ravine. Police say it appears the 37-year-old man lost control, traveled down a steep slope, and ended up at the bottom of a gully. Drivers passing by couldn't see his car. He was only found by a man riding a dirt bike nearby. The driver was taken to hospital with critical injuries. No word tonight on his condition or how he managed to survive for the week. In Health Matters tonight, a cancer diagnosis can be daunting, but experts are learning a lot about how to keep patients healthy beyond treatment that can often be just as debilitating as the disease. Regular exercise is a big part of that, but new research shows it actually takes less effort than previously thought. And as Linda Aylesworth reports, they're changing the guidelines to make it better for patients. Three days a week, Lisa works out at the gym. Some days I come in and I really don't feel like working out. Cancer has a way of making you do a lot of things you'd rather not do. She was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer one year ago. Mentally it takes a toll on that is indescribable. Um, there are bouts of definitely depression. Um, especially when pain is involved, you get to a pretty dark place. But a good workout no, always today. seems to help. I'm feeling much, much better. Thing is, when it comes to how much and what kind of exercise is beneficial to cancer patients, existing guidelines developed a decade ago are vague, which is why Dr. Kristen Campbell got to work developing new ones. In the 10 years between the two guidelines, there was a 250% increase in the amount of randomized trials that were available. So it was a monumental two-year undertaking. The findings from all those studies, when it comes to aerobic exercise, 30 minutes, three times a week is best. And two times a week of resistance training or strength training, decreased the re uh, cancer-related fatigue, improved quality of life, reduced depression and anxiety, and also improved physical function. And when treatments are over, continuing to exercise can help recovery and reduce the risk of a recurrence or from getting cancer in the first place. And so the idea with prevention is that if there is a cell that's sort of going rogue a little bit, it's in a better environment. It's not being pushed more towards cancer than it might be otherwise if you're less active. I think it's, um, it really is important to 
to try um, just do your best and get out there and do some exercise. It's something that I can control because cancer takes so much away from you. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Some new clothes for lucky passengers set to become the world's first space tourists. Virgin Galactic owner Richard Branson launching the suits for his space flight scheduled for next year. The gear includes a base suit, footwear and a limited edition jacket. Each suit will have the passenger's name, mission patch and the patch of their country. There's no helmet. Virgin Galactic says they won't be necessary for the suborbital flight. Pretty cool stuff. Now take a look at this, a near disaster in a Buenos Aires subway station after the forecast, how quick action by commuters and the conductor saved a life. That's coming up. Right now, though, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon. That looks ominous Ooh. over yeah. English Bay. Scary. You could almost say it's a pretty neat sunset, though. It's not very often you get this massive cloud deck and then a little bit of bright spot off in the distance there. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It was stormy today. Uh, I talked to my husband. Soccer was canceled today. They don't normally cancel soccer. You normally still play in the rain, so you know it's wet when they do. Here's a look at what you can expect over the next 36 hours. So we are still expecting rain on and off through our Friday, right through our Saturday morning also. Uh, So another 20 to 30 millimeters of rain expected. The chance of rain will ease off overnight, but then pick up again tomorrow morning. And it will remain fairly high through the day, through the morning hours on Saturday and it doesn't drop off until late in the day on Saturday. So if you're wondering about raking leaves, well, Saturday's your day. By the afternoon, there is a chance it, the ground will still be uh, probably moist, but at least it'll be drier. You could get out there and certainly uh, clear your storm drains in your neighborhood because uh, with all the rain out there, we are still seeing um, some pooling water on the roads. And your election day forecast, everyone, it is going to be rainy. So get ready for it. Get your rain jacket, your umbrella ready. Get out there anyways, even even though we will see the rainfall. Here's your forecast for tomorrow. So rain across coastal regions far north, it will see snowfall. Uh, Fort Nelson, it will likely stay as snow for you throughout the days. You're only warming up to three degrees. Down through the south, we'll see rain mainly in through the Columbia region. Most other areas, just a chance of showers, but we will see rain on and off across the south coast, similar to what we've seen uh, through the last two days. Saturday afternoon should be a little bit drier. Sunday looks like we're back into the wet weather. And as I mentioned, also for the day that we should all be getting out to vote. It is going to be a little wet. And this is a great shot from Mason. He's only 12 years old in Tumblr Ridge, and he took this sunset shot just yesterday. That is gorgeous. Well done, Mason. Mason's got some skills. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Christy. Good. All right, quick action by commuters after a freak accident in Buenos Aires saved a woman's life. Watch as the man on the left suddenly passes out and knocks a woman onto the subway tracks. She lies stunned as a train comes around the corner. Commuters frantically wave their hands, arms and purses at the conductor. Thankfully, he sees them and slams on the brakes, stopping just a few meters away. Passengers get the woman back onto the platform and some of them stay with her and the man who collapsed until help arrives. No word on their condition, though. Lucky. It's two nights in a row people have been on the tracks on this show. Mm -hmm. Yes, stay off the tracks. Stay off the tracks. They are for trains. I don't even I don't even recognize that tie I was. Did wearing. they just draw it in the graphics department? I, maybe they did. Yeah. I'll have to look closer at it. <laughs> All right, Squire. All right. What's happening? Here we go. So after three straight wins, the Vancouver Canucks have taken their show on the road, and the first stop on the trip 
is where the Stanley Cup now lives, St. Louis, Missouri. The Blues are off to an okay start, but remember last year they were terrible until January. Then they got going and won the whole thing. Oh, All right, let's see how Michael Furland, who has yet to score, Elias Pettersson, there's Brock Besser, Chris Tanev. Whoop! Schaller's down! Sammy Blaze! Stopped by Thatcher Demko in the first period. This was uh, a fortunate bounce for the Blues. Robbie Fabry, right place, right time. First goal. Another look. Yep, that just hit the post. Nobody saw it except for Fabry. It's 1-0. Then he finally scores. Michael Furlan. Like Fabry, right place, right time. Puck finds his stick. He's the only one who sees the puck. He puts it in. It's 1-1. But less than a minute later, Alex Petrangelo. As the Blues come down, three on two, and it's 2-1. And then the champs get another one shortly after that. This time it's Vladimir Tarasenko. And this is a rebound goal. Demko couldn't hold it. 3-1. Canucks survived the five-on-three Blues power play. And right after they killed that off, they got one. And again, a rebound goal. Tyler Mott, the shot's off the post. Nobody sees the puck except JT Miller. He continues his scoring ways. And after two, it's 3-2 for St. Louis. Have to show you this from last night. Talk about a great goal. Talk about artistic. Sonny Milano, between the legs. We need several replays. In fact, I think this is the move of the game. I don't know why I'm saying that. Perhaps it's subliminal. But Sonny Milano scoring against Ben Bishop and the Dallas Stars. And watch Tortorella's reaction. Everybody in the building is smiling because what just Duh. happened? Even he's laughing. <laughs> Can't believe that just went in like that. Vancouver Whitecaps have picked up the options for three players for next season. Jordy Reyna, Tosant Ricketts, and Jake Nerwinski. That means the Caps currently have 18 players under contract for 2020. Keeping Reyna is a good move. Not to denigrate Ricketts or Nerwinski, but Reyna has the potential to be a key guy moving forward. Well, it's not quite a mirror image, but when Baltimore visits the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday, they will have the same kind of weapon that Seattle has. A quarterback who, when you least expect it, can take off and run a long way. They also have a former Seahawk legend in their secondary as well. So Wilson. Throws. Touchdown, Seahawks. The Seahawks are a perfect 3-0 against the AFC North, but they haven't exactly dominated the competition. Their three wins over the lightweight Bengals, Steelers, and Browns have been by a combined seven points. Give them marks for finding a way to win, but they'll have to be at their best to beat the Ravens, who are 4-2 and and are led by an emerging star in quarterback Lamar Jackson, who has 11 touchdown passes already this year, and like Russell Wilson, is dynamic running the ball as well. He's as good as we've ever seen. He's as fast and as elusive uh, as we've seen. He's tough and physical and explosive and creative, and and he's throwing the ball well too. You know, so it's a real nightmare. It is. It's very difficult. 
The Seahawks will be facing an old friend in Earl Thomas, who played his first nine NFL seasons in Seattle before leaving as a free agent this past winter. Thomas and the Seahawks left on bad terms, with the veteran safety feeling he got disrespected when it came to contract talks in 2018. His famous finger to the sidelines after a season-ending injury last year in Phoenix let the Seahawks know exactly how he felt about things. But this week, both sides prefer to remember the good times. He's one of the, one of the top one, two, or three safeties in the, to ever play the game, in my opinion. I definitely respect and love the organization. They gave me my first shot. You know, I won so many uh, games there. Uh, I grew up as a young man there. Started when I was 20 years old. Uh, so I'm always going to respect that organization, and I'm always going to be a part of it, especially winning the Super Bowl. Earl was a great football player in the years that he was with us. We loved what he did, his uniqueness and his style of play, and the way he practiced and his focus was somewhat unmatchable, you know. And, and uh, um, you know, we, we just couldn't stay together forever. You know, we couldn't figure out how to do that. But uh, wish him the best and look forward to it. Patrick Mahomes looking very healthy. Patrick Mahomes not looking very healthy. After what looks to be rather innocuous, he had to be taken off the field. Well, he didn't go off on the cart. He walked off, but he was out of the game at that point. But Joe Flacco, go! The gift fumble. Reggie Raglan, well, that was easy enough. It's 26 Kansas City at halftime. We'll see if uh, Mahomes comes back. There you go. Coming up on ET Canada, it's an internet showdown between Jen Anderson and Rihanna. Plus, a little peek into Niall Horan's love life as he previews his new album. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right, Carlos, thank you. All right, people with hearing impairments have long enjoyed music by feeling the vibrations of the beat and the bass. But some new high-tech clothing lets them experience music, even individual instruments, like never before. These twin sisters enjoy dancing to music, even though they can't hear it. I feel as though the deaf community think, oh, what's the point in going to a nightclub if they can't hear the music? The deaf fashion <laughs> bloggers can now feel the beat thanks to these high-tech threads called the sound shirt. It's made by a company called Cute Circuit and uses special microphones and smart fabrics to provide touch sensation. So imagine you go to the symphony orchestra and you want to feel them. You wear this shirt and the orchestra starts playing and you will feel different instruments in different parts of your shirt. All this technology doesn't come cheap. Starting price for a shirt is over $3,500, but they believe it's a price worth paying to feel the rhythm of the night. It's almost like feeling the depth of the music. So it's another sensation that's really different. A different sensation so more people can enjoy the beat. Ian Lee, CBS News, London. So cool. It is. It'd be fun, I think, even for hearing people to have, be able to experience the feeling of oh, that yeah. against your skin. Be neat. And they have some good dance moves. Yes, they do. <laughs> they got the rhythm. That's right. A uh, big thing going on to, before we get to weather, yeah. I guess, maybe this preseason game, NBA, what are people going to get down there? NBA preseason games are well, always a bit of a yeah, crapshoot. Well, the thing is, it's late in the preseason, so you'll get more than just a reasonable facsimile. More than two minutes of Kawhi? Yeah, you might there? get yeah. four or six. I mean, but you know how teams are. They don't want to wreck their best players in an exhibition game, so they're a little afraid of that. Yeah. But, but usually late in the exhibition season, in football or hockey or basketball and, I guess, baseball, you start to see the regular guys mm -hmm. a lot more. But right. 
I still, I know there's a lot of people who think, you know, I'd love to get the Grizzlies back, and I would too, but it's still a big long shot. Maybe in mm. 20 years. <laughs> Pipe dream. For now. Okay, <laughs> when are we going to see the sun again? Maybe Saturday afternoon? Oh, at least How about it's that? not 20 years. Pictures, yeah, exactly. pictures of it on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I have to enjoy that. <laughs> Beautiful weather window tonight, too. Thanks for watching, everybody.